Here we are in Advent 3. We light the pink candle and consider Jesus' mother Mary. It's really an incredible time, a time of anticipation where we're anxiously waiting for something, for the arrival. But it's also a time of reflection, and that's made easier by the short days and long, cold nights that we have. It's a chance to start something new, maybe. And in the reading, we have John, or at least a glimpse of John. Last week, we had John and the brood of vipers, with John the Baptist front and center. And this week, John's in prison, so he sends his messengers. And they have a big question. Are you the one? Now, I can imagine John reflecting on the, his life in the desert of his locust-laden diet, of years of waiting. So this question is essential for John. It's something he spent his life expecting. Now, Linda told me she intended to preach on John in the prison, how after a life of waiting, he finds himself stuck, literally and figuratively. He can't get out. This was John's blue Christmas, and his only hope was to reach out to Jesus to see if he was the one, so that those years of John's work was not done in vain. And Jesus responds to John's request with a, what might be called a brief overview of his resume. Blind receive sight, check. The lame walk, check. Lepers cleanse, check, check. The deaf hear, check, and so forth. As is often the case with Jesus, he doesn't really answer the question that John sent for. He seems to want John's messengers and, and us, as we heard the gospel this morning, to understand that a simple, yes, I am the Messiah, would be insufficient. That it's not who he is, but what he does that makes him significant. Jesus is more than a bunch of claims. The kingdom of God is not an idea or a claim or a campaign, but a reality a reality that Jesus himself is inaugurating in his short time with us. And these recent readings about John the Baptist made me think about some of the details of his life. He's not, as Jesus notes, dressed in soft robes and living in royal palaces. In fact, he's wearing skins, living in caves, and eating locusts and honey. He's the very picture of a wild man. I mean, think about it. I think like grimy fingernails and mud cake sandals and crazy hair and bad teeth and foul breath as he leans in for the baptism or calls out to the nearby authorities. This is an unsanitized John that would make those around him maybe a little uneasy, maybe make them want to look away. Yet Jesus tells us that among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. So I don't know about you, but that makes me a little uncomfortable. Because if this crazy desert wild man is the greatest, then where does this leave a relatively comfortable guy like myself living in relative material comfort here in the early 21st century? Just before I left for my week at the border, which I'll talk about on another day, I was, in, I was honored to introduce Dr. Philip Fletcher to our Noonday Rotary Group. Now you may remember Philip from his 10 talks several months ago when he came to share information about Conway's surprisingly large homeless population and his plans to build a village of tiny houses as the start of a solution. Philip, by all measures, is an impressive man. He's called with this deep urgency to be the voice of the homeless, 
to be the voice of the underserved in, again, this relatively affluent community. And following his presentation, he opened the floor up for questions. And one woman who happened to be seated at the same table as me, she raised her hand and asked about the panhandlers who are constantly at the corner of Skyline Drive and Interstate 40. She asked Philip if they were truly in need or had they simply learned to game the system, as she put it. Now you could hear the judgment in her voice, and she wanted Phil to affirm that judgment. But he paused and simply replied, yes, most are there out of need, but yeah, there are a few there to make an easy buck. Then he went on to urge us to do whatever we can to see these homeless, to ask their names, their histories, to humanize them, even if they are simply gaming the system. In fact, especially if they are gaming the system, because we might realize how much we are like them. Now that made this group of relatively conservative Rotarians very uncomfortable. And I'll admit it made me a little uncomfortable. You see, every time I find myself stopped at that corner or, or really any place where someone is asking for money, I find myself in this dilemma. Do I roll down the window and give to those who are asking or do I avert my eyes and pretend to suddenly find something interesting on the floorboard of my car? You know, you're like, oh wait, look there. And more often than I care to admit it, I stare at the floor and at the first sign of the light turning green, I drive off. I've given it some thought and realized that it's not about maybe the dollar that I'm being asked to part with, but it's the discomfort in that moment of connection, that uncomfortable exchange with what's often a wild-haired, unkempt, unsanitized person, someone just like John the Baptist. And that's what holds me back. Because you see, I don't have Jesus' resume, nor will I ever. Now Jesus goes on to say in reference to John that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So there's hope that if somehow I manage to make it to the kingdom, my inadequate resume won't matter. There's the hope of God's grace in all those innumerable stoplighted moments where I don't do what Jesus would do. I might still be okay. I just have to keep trying. I just need to try harder. Because I don't necessarily think that we're being asked to stop and give every time, although we might up the percentage a little bit, but that we recognize the other, that we allow for that moment of connection, to see them as human as a creature of God, and not as a circumstance of homelessness, of addiction. And that's where grace may come in. Jesus' great commandment includes, love your neighbor. And I think that means stopping and recognizing. And not just the neighbor who lives next door or even across town. Not just the neighbor you run into at the countless Christmas parties that dot the agenda this time of year. See, that's too easy but the invisible neighbor who goes to the store early in the morning so we don't see her using food stamps or who parks in the farthest part of the parking lot so you don't see his beat up truck or who's right now choosing between prescription meds or buying food. Here in this relatively affluent part of Arkansas, it's tougher to see the unkempt, unsanitized John the Baptist. There's a lot of Arkansas pride that keeps the poor invisible here. But we know they're there. Just under 50% of kids in the Conway schools get free or subsidized lunches. 
as of last January census on homelessness, we have nearly a thousand men, women, and children living on the streets here in Conway. That's amazing. Almost one in six people here live in what's considered poverty or extreme poverty. And that number jumps to one in three for African Americans and Latinos. For these people, every day is a blue Christmas as they struggle to make ends meet, to choose between food and medicine, to go to school on an empty stomach. During this period, Advent period of waiting, a reflection expectation, I encourage all of us to take a moment to stop and see those who don't have what most of us have. Now, I'm not asking you necessarily to buy them lunch or groceries or anything, although if you feel called, but they likely wouldn't accept, you know, that Arkansas pride. There are other ways to help, including our own food pantry. But if we do no more than stop and notice and maybe connect, if we stop and see them, not as circumstances, but as people, then maybe, just maybe, our resumes will start to look a little more like Jesus's. Advent is a chance for a new start. Today, we can pause and reflect on our many blessings and also take a minute to consider those who are going without. They may be next door or across town. They may be sitting near you right now. Let's use this Advent, this new start, as the chance to see them, to connect with them, to know them to make our resume just a little bit more like Jesus. Amen.